Welcome to the Business as Mission podcast, dedicated to those who long to see God glorified in business and the nations reached for Christ. Your host is Mike Bayer, longtime BAM leader and founder of Third Path Initiative, an online education resource for starting and growing BAM businesses around the world. Well, welcome to another episode of the Businesses Mission Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Bear, and I, I really am just, I'm smiling when I see this guy's face on the screen. This is Dwight Nordstrom, worked in China now for over 30 years. He's got a tremendous story. Uh, by the way, it, you know, if you've read any of the things about Dwight, you know that this, we're never going to get all this done in one drive time podcast, but Dwight, it's good to see you, man. And I appreciate your, your being on the show. Mike, really happy to be here and listeners, BAM is important for the advancement of the kingdom. So looking forward to dialogue. So Dwight is, is back in the U.S. A, a short vacation turned into a, it looks like a two-year hiatus thanks to COVID. And I know you're anxious to get your family back there. It's funny because I was praying earlier for Dwight and said something about glad he's home. And then I realized, no, he's not home. <laughs> Beijing, Beijing is home. So there's so many things I can say about Dwight. Dwight, just to give you this background. Dwight started working in China over 30 years ago. 1986, full-time, 83, first uh, manufacturing trip. Yeah. And he was with GE at the time. Uh, yes, sir. Right. And later transitioned. So I'm going to let him tell the story. I, I don't even know the right question to ask. There's so many things. But Dwight, give us a quick walkthrough of sort of how you got from you know, working in the U.S., working for GE, you know, you're obviously well-trained and, and highly experienced. You get over to China, you know, things really start changing. And I know as we end this podcast uh, for the listeners, probably no single individual has had the kingdom impact through BAM that Dwight and his team, it's not, he'd be the first one to say it's not just him. It's a team of highly professional people from around the world focused on China and other countries in the 1040 window. So Dwight, just Walk us from the beginning. Well, Mike, it's thanks to God, and we are continuous learners, so we want to always improve. Everyone's story is, is different, but I do think if we're committed to getting uh, the good news to the 1040 world, which I would include as the ethno-linguistic peoples of India, the Islamic countries, and the unreached cities of China— you really need to focus. And uh, as an early teenager, was definitely called to share the gospel. At 19, the question changed from what type of sender should I be of a sent person to, oh, um, it's really I want to assist Chinese Christians. And so started focusing on China, started studying Chinese language at 19, and then worked in multinationals for my first seven years. Uh, we had great individual success, but also saw some of the limitations of being an individual contributor. Uh, our, our cumulative group had about a half a billion dollars in sales uh, by 1989, 90, but had really had only impact in three cities within China and seeing uh, uh, the good book studies done. And, and so uh, felt the need and it was sort of a push-pull uh, as they were looking at a relocation to another part of the world to stay focused in China, hey, I better look at being an entrepreneur. So I became an entrepreneur from my calling to, to communicate the gospel. And everybody's path is different, but that's where I'm at. So we started our holding company, PRI, de facto uh, 1990. 
we've now had uh, actually 32 entities in China that we have ownership in. Uh, we had six in the Islamic countries, uh, about 4,000 employees. Typically, our employment will go from 50 to 700 people. And our percentage of ownership is 30 to 100 percent. Most of our things are in manufacturing, which has tended to be uh, a really good avenue for communicating faith values. I, I would say that two of the independent variables to say, am I going to make an impact in this in these three unreached parts of the world? What type of business you do really does have a significant predictive factor of whether or not you'll be successful in seeing local meetings started. Uh, so it's not just individual commitment, but uh, it is what type of business you definitely need high interactive face-to-face. -face. You need some strong competitive technology advantage barriers to entry. So we would be uh, more on, on what I would say, focusing on a bigger size BAM. And we see some real advantages for that, both in terms of uh, political protection, uh, as well as, you know, it's tough to run a business by yourself to do, you know, accounting, marketing, do the actual work. And so uh, we have definitely tried to uh, look at investments, uh, you know, in the, in the several million, the $20 million range and look at scaling. So, so Dwight, let me, let me ask you a couple of questions that pop up as you. As you sure. Started. And I think they're the questions our listeners are going to ask. First of all, I appreciate your, your reference to manufacturing. I know the majority of BAM companies are service companies, some agricultural. And so I'd love for you just to talk a little bit more about why you push manufacturing. I have a bias. I love manufacturing. I love the idea that something comes in one door and it's different when it goes out the other door. Second question, and I think it, it's the one that comes up a lot when you speak, when we've been together at different conferences, you know, people are a bit daunted by the size and the financial you know, investments required. I'd love you to talk just a little bit about that. And then the third would be, you know, you, you're running some, I say 4,000 employees, multiple countries. How have you been able to recruit the talent you need to manage that? So, I mean, I don't, I don't have to spend a long time on those, but I just know those are questions that will come up. Sure. So on the first, you want to, in, in, in whatever business you choose, again, go in knowing that different types of businesses have more predictive ability on will you see people come to faith? And, and the more incarnational, the more flesh to flesh, the more meeting in person, the more dealing with challenges. We, we very often see our indirect workers go from zero to 20% who are people of faith uh, within about three to five years. But that first year, it's tough. And, and they need to see us on a consistent level. These are people who have really never heard about Jesus before. These are generally places, uh, we only focus on cities of less than 2% who are believers. And those operations, you know, it takes typically two to five years, but we see some real nice uh, uh, developments there. On the production line workers, uh, you know, getting them in small groups, huddles, giving them opportunities for training, both in language, continue education in other areas, at lunchtime, pre and after work on the weekends. Our workers love when we can do family family trainings, 
and bring in their families. And, and uh, that's proven to be very robust. So I would just say like, you know, as an extreme one example, if you're going to do a software conversion company and your clients are in the US and you're physically based, let's say in Malaysia, I would say your impact on Malaysian society is probably going to be limited. You know, you're in front of the screen all day. And, 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 and so you, you definitely want to have things where people can see you in real life. And, you know, in the marketplace in the world today, most of us work 40 to 60 hours a week. A good differential question to ask if is your business integral to your, you know, faith expression is where are you seeing success? If it's the ad hoc people that sell you the fruit on the street as you go home from work, that's one. But if it's people who are your, your coworkers, your customers and local government people. And we focus on those last three and uh, continue to see good results there. In regards to the size, uh, the data is really clear if you take you know, business studies. You need a couple things for survivability. 80% plus of companies don't last for over five years. But the smaller the company, the more likely that 80% goes to 95%. Now, if your company fails, that doesn't mean you failed in that city you're in, but why not try and maximize that? And so I, I, I do think if you can say, look, I can get to my survivability, I can knock that down to 50%. Uh, we've had, you know, let's just talk in China, we've had 32 operations, we've shut down four. Uh, now we, we've exited a few, so right now we currently have 11, but, you know, we're not private equity guys that have to get out in five or seven years, but we do look at, okay, is it time to, to collect our financial rewards and then reinvest that in new operations? So that's, that's been our model. But, you know, looking at, um, and, and, and also you get a third party to invest, not a friend, not a family member, but a, an, a, 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 an agnostic third party that you have to really show your business plan, your people, your technology, your marketing, your markets are viable. That causes you to really think through stuff. And so don't early settle on a business plan, really work very hard to get something that, that is more viable. And I, you know, it's like anything, we have lots of engineers in our companies, the best engineering and value-added engineering process happens early where you say, I'm not going to go down this road. So start eliminating, you know, be choosy on what businesses you go after, seek outside capital, either, you know, equity or debt that can, uh, can really look and say, hey, wait a second, this is not the best plan. Your third question then was on the whole pipeline of leaders. And uh, we have two that we've done, and I did take this out of the GE, but uh, I've tried to have two interns. These are typically 28 to 35 year old uh, because they spend so much time with me in my travels. They're, they're, they're men. And, and that's just, thank you for, I need that for that protection. And, and they spend six months, six months with me and a third flunk out a third. We say, great, but you're not going to be a GM. And a third, we say five to 10 years, you'll lead a group of hundred to 300 people. And you need to be very intentional in creating your pipeline. Uh, and that's allowed us to scale, but we're still limited. I mean, I, I can't do our company PR. We can't do more than one to two new acquisitions or greenfields uh, per year. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I think, you know, again, as people hear your story, those are the kinds of questions I, I know pop into their mind. So I pulled you a little bit off the story. So pick it back up if you can, but I, I just appreciate your taking that road trip with me. No, so, so it was went to, Hey, look, I don't want to just be an individual contributor, but how can I build teams around me? And so in 1990, 
really settled on uh, China and to a lesser extent, Central Asia. We had six operations in Central Asia, North Africa. We did again in 1999, just for travel and for personal, you know, we had our, our moment of super challenge with a partner leaving and that uh, we said, okay, we're going to focus on, on, on unreached uh, urban areas within China. And uh, that's what we've done. And, you know, our, our types of products go from four have been in, in cellular phones. So antennas, LCD displays, uh, LEDs, uh, medical, we've medical parts, one of our operations, second largest uh, heart stent manufacturer, have about 240 people there now. We have exited that as an equity owner, specialty chemicals. Uh, so almost all the listeners would have, would, would have, in some way, you would have some part that we've made at some point, I would guess over 50%. And, uh, you know, recently we, uh, one of our new developments is shower doors and uh, with our customer, we're actually number one in shower doors at Home Depot and Lowe's the last three years. So we're all using your products and we don't even know it. Yes, we would be that, but you're helping us in, in, in uh, you know, making sure that we make an impact in those locations. So that, that's the fastest 30 year story I think I've ever heard. <laughs> But, you know, I do, I do want to just, again, stress that, and I, I think you've had in other podcasts, but the Lord, we definitely had that really sad event that humbled us and recognizing it is the Lord, it's not us. And, and okay, Lord, just uh, let, let us finish well and, you know, let us stay on track with what you want. So it, it is not, it is not, you know, it has not been an unprecedented success. We continue to learn. What I will say is we've been able to finance almost all of our equity through retained earnings. Uh, currently, we have zero corporate debt. So we're not PE guys that go out and, I mean, I think we, our upsides are limited, uh, but, and we've been in a market, frankly, China's been growing. And, you know, as a business person, that's what you want, you need you want to go in a growing market. You don't want a shrinking market. We'll be right back after a short break. So let, let's just take a moment. Let's timestamp this conversation. So it's it's early March 2022, and the world around us for the last two and a half, three weeks has gone crazy. We're just, just coming off COVID. Uh, yep. Not sure it's entirely over, but it yep. certainly seems to be coming in for a landing, or at least as we know it. And then we have the whole... Ukrainian crisis and China is wittingly or unwittingly on the stage in these conversations. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about Taiwan. There's there's speculation about you know the intentions of China. That it, it, it's just and, and I I know everybody listens to the news and sometimes I would encourage you don't do that. <laughs> you know read and think and and analyze. But but just give us some context on this, Dwight from. And not, 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 from a, not from a purient sort of way of telling us the story, but what are, you, what are you seeing and what's that impact going to be on your businesses going forward? Let me give you the, the, the two plus standard deviation of what people might not be thinking. So as an example, we are wanting to support what is a humanitarian disaster of two plus million people uh, in Ukraine trying to escape. And there is real starvation going on. We're, we, we do want to timestamp this. This is March 11th. Uh, but we quickly, as a company, got involved. We have no operations in Ukraine, though we were uh, one of our virtual reality 
groups of about 30 people with one of our suppliers is, is there. But we're working with the local seminary and what was needed was ready to eat goods. They don't, they, they couldn't. And so trying to get supplies from China as well as they needed vehicles. And, and uh, we have one of our uh, very close partners in China that we supply carbon fiber chassis to is selling hundreds of vehicles before this happened to Ukraine. Hmm. By the way, they were all e-vehicles. Uh, so China as a supplier, this is sourced from China, not the Chinese Communist Party, but to help with what's going on there, a relief effort is there. Uh, the China market is growing and our companies of our 11 are still actually all profitable. We are less optimistic uh, than we were two years ago. The growth market in the local China market is going down a little bit. It's still 5% or so, but our ability to export has some limitations and, and our best businesses always have both a China domestic market as well as an export market. That's the way you, you build success. And so in the decoupling that's happening, there are some real challenges. Uh, we did with the uh, US implementation of, of tariffs in 2017, one of our 15 plus year divisions, we ended up, we were very competitive, 100% supplier to a very demanding electronic control for gas and oil. 100% supplier, great job, but at a 25% import, import duty after two and a half years, we looked at each other and just said, "We, you know, when my cost of goods sold is 70% on, on what's on the board, it's like, okay, we'll help you migrate to another location in Asia because the import duty. So we've had to shut down some operations uh, due to tariffs. That, that operation, unfortunately, was too dependent on an export market. So China's still a bright spot. You got to be there. Uh, but recognize there is a decoupling. And of course, we only deal in, in civilian products, nothing that would be, uh, you know, Department of Defense or related type of things, even though we do make parts in the aerospace and, and medical side. So you need to be there. And if you're not, you're going to lose out long term. But how you deal with R&D, product implementation, et cetera. So we would have quite a few engineers. We have three engineering centers. Uh, that design product both for internal use as well as for uh, North American customers. You just gotta to watch it carefully. Yeah. So I can say it's complex, but don't walk away from China. If you do, as a if you're a world class business, uh, that will not be beneficial. Yeah, it's hard to imagine walking away from from the second largest market in the world. Like, let me say the other thing. You know, so people ask. You know, and I'm not an apologist for the Chinese Communist Party, but really, if you look at the last particularly since 2016, it's not the U.S. or the West, but China's really the one that the book was, moved, who moved the cheese? And, and China really has moved the cheese. I mean, you could go through a litany of Xinjiang, what's happened in Hong Kong is almost unimaginable if you went back five years ago with the NASA Security Act, uh, the challenges, as you mentioned, about uh, Taiwan and some of the risks there. And uh, really, the, the rule of law in China has unfortunately decreased. And, and maybe just, you know, we take one. So John Hopkins has a group called CIOS. And there's several hundred people that would be called really China leaders in academic and business thought. And they did a poll uh, of, of a significant number of them. And these are people that have been involved with China for 25 plus years. 
And over 50% of them have said they will not go back to China now because they fear for their personal safety. Mm. That's from basically zero before 2017. And, and so I think, uh, and this, we're not talking a COVID issue. You know, really it is one that I think we're in a time period that if those, when I referred to the two Michaels of Canada and the relationship with Hmong and Huawei and, and the release, I mean, there was absolutely a connection there and there was no apology for that. You know, and there was a two year, uh, basically indefinite imprisonment until that extradition was removed. And so China has some challenges with rule of law and you just have to recognize now it, it's, it's a new area and, and try and operate as best you can within that. Interesting you would say that. I remember my first trip to China was 2001, just a few weeks after 9-11. And, you know, I was a little trepidatious and somebody said, no, no, you'll be safer there than any country on the planet. And it's true. I mean, in those days. That, 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 that was definitely true. And China is now saying we're going to rule by law and by regulation. And again, they're very ambiguous. The regulations are highly ambiguous, highly interpretive. They do that very intentionally. But the need for, you know, again, why we want tenant plus operations is we typically get pressure at local levels. And so we have our central office bring national relief. And then the flip side is when the national does it, we try and, and, and work within the system to, to bring, you know, some appeal and, and reasonableness. Uh, historically, China has been very pragmatic if you are, a, you know, good taxpayer and em employer of people. So, so in this case, size does does help out there. You know, Dwight, that you alluded to that earlier, and I'd love to just kind of again put a pin in that one, because one of the things we see in BAM worldwide is is lots and lots and lots of small businesses with you know we, we hope and and we think good measurable impact locally, but the ability of a large company that's bringing true economic value to a city even a country, it cannot be underestimated. Yeah. And, and, and I've seen that on a small scale, you've seen it on a, on a big scale where you can walk into an official's office and get the help you need because of the company or companies that you represent. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, so, and I mean, a couple, again, I like data, I'm in manufacturing, right? So you win by being 5% or better than other people. Cause in most of my industries, there's no fourth place, you know, the, the big electronic guys, the big medical guys, aerospace, they'll buy from two to three suppliers and that's it. There's no fourth place. And so people work better. Most people work better, not as a generalist to do everything, but in certain specific, specific areas. And what we have found is having a core team, normally non-nationals of three different units uh, who then have, you know, they're not always the top three people in a company, but we want to have them in there. And then having a company of one to 300 people uh, is incredibly effective for life on life. And, you know, I'm a big believer in the marketplace of ideas. And I think Christianity uh, does very well uh, when it's given an opportunity in the marketplace of ideas. Fantastic. So, all right, I know we're going to run out of time here. I, I knew we wouldn't get everything in. We'll have to have you back. I say that more and more because there's so many things to talk about. But just, you know, you made an appeal in the beginning for China. Leave us with, from you, your heart, why China? Inviting people, you know, how to get involved. And the second would be why other big cities uh, to, in, the, in the context of, of what you're doing? Let's use this statistically significant 
percentage of 2% or less. When a location, an urban, by the way, most of the movements towards faith happen in urban areas. Mm-hmm. It's where people live life on life. And, you know, right now there's over 200 cities in China of a million or more. The U.S. is 10. And uh, these are, you know, we've had over 400 million people move from the countryside to the cities in China since 1985. So these are typically first generation urbanites. They tend to be more open to look at the marketplace ideas. They want to improve their life. And one thing that I am unapologetic for, so we are highly competitive. I, I, I just finished 17 years as being chair, uh, for most of that are co-chair of the American Chamber of Commerce uh, Manufacturing and Sourcing Forum, historically one of the biggest groups, subgroups within the American Chamber of Commerce in China. And we've done, we've done documentation here. When I can take Judeo-Christian values, particularly the last five of the Ten Commandments, and I can teach them to my workers. They don't have to accept the source of that. But when they focus on those and we teach them, I can get to better quality. So I will stack up, you know, getting to Sigma 6 quality, uh, Sigma 5.5, Sigma 6 and all my things. And that has proven to be uh, an extremely competitive uh, advantage for us, even, vis- even vis-a-vis multinationals and even vis-a-vis state-owned companies. And, and so people are looking for values and quality, quality gets you long-term survivability. Fantastic. I would like to just say, so coming back uh, unexpectedly, uh, not, and this was, we weren't asked to believe, I mean, we, we, we were looking to go back. It's just the girls with high school and schooling, it was sort of a, to stay in their same age group, we had to stay here in, in the States. But, you know, I was like, Lord, why? Because I'm still managing a bunch of the operations and my days early morning and night. And I'm used to being, you know, in groups of people all day and not in front of a screen that long. But uh, uh, the Lord really opened up a new opportunity. I'm always looking. So we look, we look at about 15 to 20 new investments a year and typically do one or two. And that's been pretty standard. But almost all of our investments, we become the lowest cost, highest quality manufacturing location in the world. And I could go, and I want to be, I'm a Jack Welch, you know, disciple. Yeah. In good yeah. days at GE, he, that's, he was a wonderful guy that we reported to at a corporate level. And, and you know, he says, be number one or number two. And if you look across our, our industry, I mean, from our publishing side, uh, you know, we define our marketplace, our stents, our chemicals, uh, our LCD displays, uh, shower doors, aerospace parts were number one or number two and in our niche. And, uh, but that's it. It's like one location and came across this technology for the recycling of plastics. Those may, you're welcome to look it up. New Hope Energy, we're now a double digit owner. Uh, But we think this thing's going to be scaling. Each operation, you know, at a thousand tons a day is in the three to $400 million size of investment. But we are, we believe this will be in 20 locations within six to eight years. And so I haven't had a technology that's a scalable. I can take half of the waste plastic, industrial waste plastic, uh, for those who know the category, and I use in paralysis as our, as our mechanism. I get to 99% efficiency conversion into usable fuel oil, chemicals, and then gas. We've signed since we started. Uh, so this is sort of, we started almost from scratch because it was a restart. Uh, we have four off takers that have signed 10-year contracts 
to buy everything we produce. And they've made prepayments in tens of millions of dollars. And uh, they need it. They also pay a premium because this is sort of a circular economy. And as Christians, I think, you know, we're actually the best stewards. You know, I, I think we get a bad rap by a lot of people that say, oh, we think Jesus is coming again. So it doesn't matter. No, no, no. We, we are, you know, highly environmentally conscious. That's a byproduct of what we do, not the first cause. I mean, we, we look at returns and we look at our great commission results. And this is for our company, what we settled on. But uh, we are very in- excited about that. Our pilot plant, which we're growing to four to 500 tons a day, is in Tyler, Texas. And I would love to hire 30 engineers and people that we can then bring this to other parts of the world because the whole world has waste plastic issues. Yeah, absolutely. And gosh, so many things I want to comment on, Dwight. You know, you, you make such a great case for kingdom business excellence, right? And that didn't originate with that didn't originate with Jack Welch, but he certainly in our world was a driver of it. Uh, and in the heyday and the value creation of GE, that leadership, and you've inherited that and carried it from a biblical perspective. So, um, just quick note: I was looking this up. The the reference that Dwight's talking about is NewHopeEnergy.com. Yep, uh, check it out. It'll be in the show notes, so you can look it up. Yeah, and if you want our website, uh, PRIUSA.com. Again, we want to be a model. We love other people's expressions. We love to help people, uh, particularly as you look at scaling. Absolutely. And that's that's the other website I was going to make no, uh, note of. All this will be in the show notes. You guys can track it down. Dwight, we could go on forever, but we can't. Great to see you, my friend. And uh, thanks for being with us. Any parting words of wisdom for us? It's increasingly clear that business as a, is an essential leg to be able to communicate the gospel, especially to those parts of the world that have less than 2% Christian. Uh, You're needed, and uh, if you focus at it, and you focus particularly on a particular group or location, I believe the Lord will honor that. So uh, uh, carry, carry on. Amen, well said. Dwight, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Mike, God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Business as Mission podcast. We invite you to become part of the story by supporting the BAM podcast at patreon.com slash BAM stories. There's a link in the notes with this episode. For more information, go to thirdpathinitiative.com or triventure.com. Please share this podcast and give us a review wherever you listen. Listen.